This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, you guys. Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct, you guys. I hope you all are having a great day, a great start to your week. If not, the week's almost over. I hope you're staying safe and healthy and inside if you can. As you guys can tell by the title of today's episode, today we are talking about the solved murder of 16-year-old Jolie Musa. Jolie was 16 years old when she was murdered in January of 2018 in Alexandria, Virginia. And before we jump into it today, I do want to take a minute and go back to last week's episode to talk about some of the theories that you guys had for the Carly Gousset case. Just as a reminder, you guys can email me all of your questions and comments and theories on the cases that we cover at killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is just killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com and we typically review your guys' theories on the cases that have been covered in the next week's episode. So definitely make sure if you ever have a theory or a question about a case that you send them into that email. That way we can all review it together and kind of bounce ideas off of each other in that way. So the first comment from the Carly Gousset case comes from someone who said, Hey Savannah, I've known about this case for a while because I go to church with a relative of the Gousset family. I've seen a lot about her on Facebook and the biggest thing I've noticed is that everything that I've seen says she was last seen by the highway. I never really knew about all the things that happened until now. I kept thinking about her boyfriend. He isn't really brought up at all and it makes me think that what if she met up with him that morning? Something could have happened with them or they could have ran away together. She wasn't in the right mindset and could have gotten in trouble or she could have done more drugs and overdosed that morning and he just covered it up. I don't know if they investigated him and he was in the clear but if he wasn't looked into I feel like that could be a possibility end quote. So I definitely think from all of the comments that I have read on the YouTube video that I posted on the Carly Gousset case and in a lot of the theories that you guys sent in the emails a big question that everyone has is where does the boyfriend fall in all of this. She was with the boyfriend and her friends that night and if you look up your own research on this case, there really isn't a lot of information out there about the boyfriend. This still is an active investigation, so there definitely could be things about the boyfriend or the friends that just haven't been released to the public yet. I would think that that's what the case is. It is interesting to me because I never thought about the fact that maybe she met up with her boyfriend that night. I do think though that if they were to run away together or if something happened in that fashion, then that would be more widely known and talked about. Everyone would kind of know that her and the boyfriend both went missing together, but the boyfriend has definitely been a big question mark in all of this, as well as her friends that she was hanging out with that night. 
The next theory comes from someone who said, quote, this case has really puzzled me and I can come up with two theories. The first is that maybe Carly was woken up by a noise or saw someone outside and decided to check it and left her house. Or the second one is what if someone broke into her house and kidnapped Carly while she was sleeping? Honestly, I love this podcast and look forward to every episode. Finally, why in the world would you smoke marijuana and where were her friends when her mom was going to pick her up? Did they leave her? So as far as the why would you smoke thing, I think that that's just something that a lot of people experiment with and whether you view it as right or wrong or whatever, I just, you know, I think a lot of people just experiment with it, especially when they're young and don't really know the dangers that could happen with it. Like a lot of people believe that what Carly smoked was laced with something and maybe she just wasn't familiar or thought that that could be a possibility that could happen to her. And as far as where were her friends, if we go back to the episode, we talked about how, you know, Carly was found a mile away from where she told her stepmom, Melissa, to pick her up. She told Melissa that she was at Highland Park, which is a mobile home park, and she was found running down the street about a mile away from there. I think it is possible that, you know, maybe Carly was asleep and she heard something outside and her paranoia just kind of came over her and she felt like she needed to leave and get out of the house and that's what happened and that was kind of the start of it. That's what woke her up out of her sleep. You know, according to Melissa, she said that by the time she went to sleep at about 5.48 a.m., Carly was asleep too. So it could be possible that Carly was awoken from a noise coming from outside or a noise in the house. Something could have happened to wake her up that way if that's the theory that we're following with. So that is all very interesting stuff, you guys. Thank you so much for sending in all of your thoughts and theories. I always look forward to reading your guys' thoughts and comments and theories just because I think it's so great that we're able to have an open discussion. Like I can tell you guys what the case is and all of the information that I have on it, but I love the fact that we're able to continue to keep the conversation going with it. And you know, it's not just we talk about the case and then it's over. It's we talk about the case. Let's talk a little bit more about it, see what you guys have to say about it. So I really, really love that. So again, if you ever want to send in any thoughts or theories or questions or anything, you can do so at killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that is killerinstinctpodcast at gmail.com. And with that being said, let's jump right on in to today's case. So like I said, today we are talking about the murder of 16-year-old Jolie Moussa. So Jolie was born on March 21st, 2001 to her parents, Cyrita Stewart and Cyril Moussa. And something really unique about Jolie is that she's actually a twin. She has a twin sister named Janae, and Jolie and Janae were extremely, extremely close before Jolie's murder. The two of them had actually never spent more than 12 hours apart from each other at a time. Jolie was a student at the Mount Vernon High School located in Alexandria, Virginia, and overall, Jolie was just described as such a bright light. She loved music and was just someone who laughed a lot and was always, always smiling. So we're just going to jump to the day of Friday, January 12th, 2018. Now, according to Janae, Jolie's sister, it started out like any normal day, but after Janae and Jolie got home from school, Janae could tell that Jolie 
Jolie was really kind of in her own head and seemed kind of distracted with something that she wasn't really talking about. It was at about 4.30 p.m. when the girls were doing each other's hair and Janae noticed that Jolie was Snapchatting with someone. And right at about 4.30, like I said, Jolie told Janae that she was going, she had to go out and she needed to go do something, but that she would be right back. Janae thought it was a little strange how abruptly Jolie got up and walked out the door, but Jolie, like I said, told her that she would be right back. So she thought that that is what would happen. Then fast forward a couple hours later at about 8 o'clock p.m. the night of January 12th, Janae got a text message from Jolie that said that she was going to be going to a party in Norfolk and that she would be back later. Now, Norfolk is a town that's also in Virginia. However, it is about 200 miles away from where Jolie lived. Now, Janae said that when she got this text, she was really thrown off because that's a three-hour drive from Alexandria to Norfolk. So the fact that she would go there just for a party seemed very off-putting and very out of character. But that was the last text Jolie ever sent and Jolie never returned home that night. By the next day on January 13th, 2018, after Jolie never came home, her parents ended up calling the police to file a missing persons report. So the police were pretty adamant from the get-go that Jolie was a runaway. They said that because she left her house on her own, she more than likely left willingly and just ran away. Now, everyone, literally every single person who knew Jolie said that there was no way that Jolie just up and ran away. Jolie loved her family and like I said she hadn't spent more than 12 hours at a time away from her twin sister. There was no way that she was just going to walk away from that but authorities were also really convinced that Jolie wasn't in any immediate danger and that her life was not being threatened in any way and this was extremely frustrating for Jolie's family as I'm sure you can imagine. They felt like they weren't being taken seriously and that Jolie's case wasn't getting the proper attention in depth that it really deserved. And I also want to point out that there had been no Amber Alert that had been issued once Jolie went missing. And overall, police just didn't seem as concerned about finding Jolie. And due to this, and due to the lack of efforts that Jolie's family felt like was being put into finding Jolie, there was a lot of backlash against the authorities for how they handled this case. And because of this backlash, authorities actually came forward and said that there are certain requirements that must be met in order for an Amber Alert to be issued. They said that one of those requirements was that there had to be evidence of an abduction, and because in Jolie's case there wasn't evidence of an abduction because she walked right out of her house, that was a part of the reason that they did not issue an Amber Alert after she was reported missing. So I went ahead and I looked more into Amber Alerts and what other guidelines needed to be followed in order for one to be sent out. And along with evidence of an abduction, authorities need to believe that the victim is in danger or has been physically harmed. There also has to be enough descriptive information about the victim. That way, when police issue an Amber Alert, it'll enhance the probability for law enforcement to locate the victim. And lastly, the victim must be under the age of 17 years old. So again, based on all of the information I just told you about Amber Alerts, I'm interested to see what you guys think about the authorities not issuing one for Jolie. Again, the police have been very adamant that from the day that they received the phone call about Jolie's disappearance, that they have been nothing but focused on finding Jolie and have said that they have done everything in their power in order to do so and are putting 
putting all of their resources up front and just being really active in this investigation. But then just four days after the missing persons report was filed for Jolie on January 17th, 2018, the FBI was actually called in to join on the investigation. Then almost 10 days after the FBI joined the investigation on January 25th, 2018, there was a body discovered in Woodland Park buried in leaves and debris by authorities while they were conducting one of their searches, which by the way, Woodland Park was less than a mile away from where Jolie lived with her family. And what's interesting is that this was actually the second time authorities had searched through Woodland Park. They had searched there one time prior and didn't find Jolie, and it was the second search that they did through the park that led them to Jolie's remains. After Jolie's body had been found, police then switched the status of Jolie's case from a runaway to a homicide. So once the investigation started, the big question became, you know, who murdered Jolie and who did she meet in the park the night that she left her house? And while they were trying to figure all of that out, authorities actually got a tip from a 13-year-old boy who came forward and said that he was playing basketball in Woodland Park at about 5.15 p.m. And according to this boy, while he was playing basketball on the courts that were at the park, there was a man who came up to him and asked the boy to borrow his cell phone so he could make a phone call. So authorities were able to retrieve this 13-year-old boy's cell phone, and when they did, they were able to figure out that the call that was made at 5.24 p.m. was a call to Jolie's cell phone, and this was about a half an hour after Jolie had left her house that day. This man was described as an African-American man standing at about six feet tall, and once they got that description, police were then trying to find the man who had asked the 13-year-old boy for his phone. So authorities discovered that Jolie had an on-again, off-again boyfriend with a boy named Nabiu Ebrahim, and Nabiu was just a year older than Jolie, and both of them attended the same high school, which is where I'm assuming that they met and started dating. However, the two of them had an extremely toxic relationship. Prior to Jolie's murder, Nabiu had actually been charged with two different assaults on Jolie. He was charged with simple assault and also strangulation for strangling Jolie to the point that she had passed out. So following this incident, there had been a no-contact order that had been placed by Jolie to Nabiu, and Jolie said that the reason that Nabiu choked her, not that there would be any, you know, logical reason, but the motive that he had behind it is because that Jolie was trying to break up with him and Nabiu would not let her. Following this incident, Nabiu got kicked out of Mount Vernon High School, which was the same school Jolie went to, like I said, and he was placed in an alternative school that didn't have a basketball team or a basketball program at the school. So he couldn't play basketball and that was a really big deal for him. So the fact that he had to go to this alternative school where he couldn't play really, really upset him. On January 18th, 2018, just one day after the FBI joined the investigation, Nabiu was actually arrested in connection with the prior assaults that he had committed on Jolie just months before her murder. So at the time that he was arrested, it wasn't for Jolie's actual murder, but it was for the assaults that he had committed on Jolie prior to her murder that they wanted to talk to him about. But here's where everything changes. So while he was arrested for just the prior assault charges and for police to try to talk to him a little bit, 
bit more, Nabiu actually fully confessed to being the one who murdered Jolie. There was a five-hour interrogation, which I wasn't able to find with the complete five hours, which I was hoping to. That way I could really, you know, get every single little detail that he was talking about. But there is a clip of him confessing to the actual murder that has been released to the public. So if you want to watch him say word for word what happened that night from his mouth, you can also do that after you listen to this. So according to Nabiu, he had called Jolie on January 12th and asked her to meet him at Woodland Park. He had told authorities that, quote, you know, you're in a heat of passion and you're just in a blind rage, end quote, when he was describing his emotions and his feelings that night leading up to meeting with Jolie. He then told police that while him and Jolie were walking together, Jolie had actually kind of like stepped in front of him at one point. So she was walking in front of him and he was walking behind her. And when that happened, Nabiu said that he put Jolie in what he described as an MMA style chokehold. He said, quote, I started choking her out more and more to the point where it was just like, I don't even know what drove me to the point, end quote. Then after strangling her to death, Nabiu said he picked up Jolie's body and carried her into the woods and covered it up with debris and leaves. When authorities asked him why he never called anyone for help, he responded by saying, quote, you can't just call someone. What are you supposed to say? Oh, I just killed somebody, end quote. Nabiu said that once Jolie lost consciousness, he actually strangled her two more times just to make sure that she had actually died. After disposing of her body, Nabiu then took Jolie's cell phone and texted Jolie's sister, Janae, posing as Jolie, saying that she was going to go to a party in Norfolk, hoping to throw the police off and buy him a little bit more time, which essentially he did. Nabiu then took the SIM card out of Jolie's phone and put it into a weighted bag and threw it into a pond because he didn't want anyone to know that him and Jolie had been communicating the night that she had gone missing. And what's crazy here is that Nabiu had actually gone back and returned to the crime scene where Jolie's body was placed because the first time when he left her there the night that he had murdered her, he said that he just covered her with like leaves and debris and then he came back again which had had to have been anywhere between January 13th and January 18th. We don't have an exact day. However, he was arrested on January 18th, so it had to have been somewhere within those several days. And Nabiu said that when he returned to the crime scene where Jolie's body was, he had brought a chef's knife with him, and he had used the chef's knife to dig a shallow grave to place Jolie's body in. Okay, we're going to take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. All right, you guys, welcome back. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, Apartments.com's Instant Alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let Apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, Apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, Apartments Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. I actually really encourage you guys to go listen to the video if you're interested because a lot of people have been, you know, extremely shocked with how emotionless and calm Nabiu was when describing how he ended Jolie's life. Literally, the way he described it was the way that he would just describe, you know, I went to the grocery store and then I went to the gym and then I came home. It was so cold and blatant and just very, very emotionless. And again, not that there would ever be any justifiable reason whatsoever for Jolie's murder. However, as far as motive goes, Nabiu said that the reason he murdered Jolie had stemmed partially from the anger that he had about the fact that he had to transfer schools to a place that didn't have a basketball program. And just a reminder, the reason that he got transferred from schools is because he was expelled after his previous assaults on Jolie. Now, according to Janae, Jolie did feel a sense of guilt and responsibility for the fact that Nabiu had to change schools and he would make her feel guilty for it all the time, which just side note is called manipulation. And Jolie's mother and sister both said that they were unaware of the degree of the emotional toll that Nabiu had on Jolie. They were also not aware of the degree that he was harassing her at the time. You know, Janae said that there would be texts and phone calls that Jolie would receive from random numbers that were actually from Nabiu. And I don't know if he downloaded an app that allows you to get a new phone number off of the same phone or if he was just using other people's cell phones like he had used the 13-year-old's cell phone. Jolie's mom had stated in an interview that you would never guess Nabiu would be the type of person that had the anger in him, that he would be capable of committing such a awful, awful act because on the surface, he seemed very normal, so to speak. You know, she said that he would look you in the eyes when he spoke to you and he seemed like a very good-mannered person. And people who went to school with both Jolie and Nabiu said that you would have never guessed that he would be capable of something like this. And what's crazy is I feel like that is the common saying that gets thrown around when you hear about situations similar to this, someone being murdered by their abuser. You always hear, you know, I never thought that they would be capable of doing something like this, or I never thought that they would have it in them, or there's no way. They seem like such a great person, and it isn't until it actually happens and until they show you that they absolutely are capable of doing something like that. And even then, sometimes people don't want to believe it because they think that, they know the person and they think that there's no way they can't imagine it. Part of them doesn't even want to imagine it. So Nabiu ended up pleading guilty for the murder of Jolie 
and was sentenced to 99 years in prison, so essentially life in prison, and he will not be eligible for parole until he is 60 years old, and he was sentenced last September on September 4th, 2019, when he was 18 years old. During his sentencing, Jeanne spoke and she told Nabiu that he will no longer have the power over Jolie or her family. He will no longer be able to control them, and Nabiu also spoke and he apologized for taking Jolie's life. However, no one in Jolie's family really bought or believed his apology. Her family described the process of getting justice for Jolie as, quote, it's been hell, it's been human torture, this whole entire thing and how the court works. I'm just so glad it's over, end quote. Since Jolie's murder, all of her family have become advocates for protecting young girls and women in general, and honestly, just people in general, against domestic violence. Jolie's mother has come out and said, quote, I think a lot of battered women and young girls, they don't realize, they want to believe that he loves you and that he's going to be there for you and that he would never. Yeah, he gets angry, but he would never do this. I just don't want any other young child or any other woman, any other person to go through this. It was a senseless death. Jolie's death was senseless, end quote. As far as my thoughts and opinions on this case go, I was very surprised that this case hadn't gotten more more recognition. I feel like it definitely deserves a lot more of a spotlight than it was given, and I think that there's a lot of lessons that could be learned based off of Jolie's case. I think there's lessons for, for everyone involved. I think that there's lessons for parents, for victims, for siblings, for friends. I think ev just all in all, I think one main thing that I realized through reading through Jolie's case is the fact that you can never be too certain about how well you think you know someone or how much you think that they're capable of or not capable of. I also think that this is really important for young women and young men everywhere to be very aware of who you're talking to and very present. Don't take things lightly. I know how easy it can be to just kind of fall in to the trance of the person and think that because you have history or think that because, you know, you think that they love you that they would never do the worst of the worst. They might do a little bit of the worst, but they wouldn't completely do the worst. And I think it's just so important to remember that you are worthy and deserving of so much more and so much better than someone who doesn't treat you right. And if you know someone who is a little bit younger, who's either in high school or their early 20s, or honestly, I feel like age doesn't even matter when it comes to this. Anyone in general, like always just kind of check in with them and keep an open eye. Don't turn the other way. Don't think that it's not your place, so you're just not going to say anything. No, if you see something, say something. And a lot of times, victims are not going to want to own up to the reality of the situation, but it is your job as either the friend or family member or whoever it is to protect them, even if they feel like they don't need it. Sometimes they do. On another note, I feel like just when it comes to Jolie's case, you know, I feel like Nabiu called Jolie that day for the purpose of murdering her. You know, he said that he just got filled with this blind rage and he had no idea what was coming over him. I think that that is complete BS, honestly. I think that he knew from the second he called Jolie off of a 13-year-old boy's phone what he was going to do that night. I think it's extremely, extremely telling. He went out of his way to make sure that no one would figure out that he was with Jolie that night. He called off of a random boy's cell
cell phone. He dumped her SIM card into a pond. Like, he went to very great lengths, including texting her sister about a party. He went to great lengths to make sure that he wasn't caught in this and went to great lengths in order to try to throw police off from this. And I think it was premeditated 100%. I don't think that he just came up with all of this on the fly, on the day, or anything like that. I think that this was something that was planned. I think that the fact that he felt like his basketball career was over and he couldn't play basketball anymore, that drove him over the edge. And it's never going to be justifiable or reasonable, but that was his motive and that is what drove him there. So I'm really, really interested to see what you guys have to say about this case, what your thoughts are. And if you guys want to keep up with Jolie's case, there is a Facebook group that I'm pretty sure is ran by Jolie's family. However, I could be mistaken on that. However, it is called Justice for Jolie. It's Justice, then the number four, Jolie. So go check out that Facebook page if you want to look at it. And with that being said, you guys, that is all for me today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I am your host of Killer Instinct. Make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. We post weekly here every single Wednesday and you are not going to want to miss it. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. I hope you have a great rest of your day. I will see you next week with a brand new episode and until then, stay safe, stay sane, and stay healthy and stay inside if you can. It's really, really important. So stay inside if you can, stay safe, all of those good things and I will talk to you soon. Bye, guys. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.